0: Tim Lacombe, Jake Scott along with us. Have you cleansed yourself in the first half to be able to talk about this one?
1: Well, you likened it to, to art, an art gallery or a painting. Um, I said that first half looked like uh, something you keep under the, the porch uh, that maybe a yarn project you got from your fifth <laughs> grader or something like that.
0: It's the.
1: Uh, I mean, it, you got to keep it because it's, you know, it's sentimental, but we're not going to put it out on the wall.
0: Right. It's, it's like the um, Christmas ornament that. Just you put on the tree every year, but you put it on the back side of the tree. (laughs) Yes, and like, oh,
1: this was so neat. Thank you so much. And yeah, no, but I I think you make the great point, David, that it was not, you know, pretty to watch per se. But the Jazz just continue to grind and do what they do, and the numbers end up bearing out, you know, pretty well. And it was the other part that really stands out to me. I I would go a step further. I don't think they're uh, dependent upon a particular player or. You know, you want to decide how they're going to play. Okay, we'll play that way and we'll figure out a way to, to break you. And that's, that's kind of what I take from this game.
0: Well, that I think is a great point because you go to that New Orleans where New Orleans played them in two dramatically different ways and the Jazz ended up with a 120 offensive rating in each of those games too.
1: Exactly. Um, the part of this that no matter how you scheme, you can't, you can't stop at all. And teams are, are going to get tired. They're going to get fatigued. Not get back in transition. That first half was kind of broken up. And on three transition plays, Boyan all the way to the rim, uh, Clarkson all the way to the rim, and then a Clarkson uh, pull up three. That you know, you can do what anything you want to do with us in the half court, whatever. We're going to get out and run. We're still going to take our shots. And over the course of time, you know, the Jazz have proved that that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good theory.
0: All right, I've got three stats that I keep throwing around there. I want to know, as a coach, whether you find value in any of these. Okay? 10-0 run. Jazz are now
1: 13-0. Yeah, I think, I think good teams have, have the ability to put a spurt between them and another team, so I think that that's, that's relevant.
2: Jazz have led. Go ahead, Ron. But you expect that out of NBA teams.
1: Yeah, you're those right. 10-0 runs. Yeah, I mean, it happens. But, it yeah. happens every night and every game. Yeah, almost.
2: as a matter of fact, you probably expect it a lot of times every game. You know, for for some teams,
1: but yeah, I guess it's it's good to be on the right but side of the streak. Of those. The streak yeah. is
2: what's
0: what's relevant here. What's right. What 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 says to me? Here's what it says to me. We're so good that if we go on a 10-0 run against you, you you, you your game's ch- over.
2: You think? Yeah, you, your
0: <laughs> chances of coming back yeah. and putting and doing that against us again, or do it, it, we're, we're too good for the rest of the game for you to overcome that is what I'm seeing.
1: Well, and I agree. I totally agree. And I think the thing to Ron's point, I think the Jazz are capable of doing that a couple times and doing it different ways. You know, they can grind you out in the half court, take your soul that way. They can, you know, get you on the offensive glass to kick out three They can get out in transition. That's what's what's really bearing right now to me is is that there's all sorts of different ways they can get that done.
0: Jazz have led by more than 40 minutes of 13 of 21 games this year.
1: Yeah, that's just I mean obviously it, it speaks to what we talked about a couple shows ago. They're they're not just beating teams, they're they're pummeling teams.
0: And they did it again tonight. All right.
1: How many, uh, just out of curiosity, how many 10-0 runs
3: did they have tonight? They had the one at the beginning. I think they of the only game. had one, only the the one at the start.
0: Ten zero runs actually really hard to have. Yeah. Like I'm actually gonna. I, I, That's I don't. That's true. I don't know that this. It's hard for me to disagree with you and Ron on that. I was going to a minute ago, and I just didn't have any backing, so I didn't.
1: Well, but we didn't just, have backing. We just hucked it out there. So. So Go just I mean, if
0: you think about it, it means you got four baskets – at minimum four scores and four stops in a row. It's a lot. Like,
2: it's not a lot. It's not a couple of three-point shots, maybe two three-point shots, maybe three. Yeah. Free throws. I mean, you. Right. It, so, but it's four get, offensive it possessions.
0: At minimum, it's four offensive possessions in a row that you score. Which means you had to have gotten four stops yeah. to make it ten o. I guess three stops. You could. So the fewest you can do in it in is four. Offensive scores and three defense. That's the fewest. So more often than not, it's like if you think about it, if it's five and five, just just to put that in context for a second, that's 5% of the game. Like, it's it's not that – it's not – I don't think they're that common that there's 10-0 runs in every game.
1: I guarantee I, you're going to find the answer.
0: Yeah. yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm
2: sure he's going to find the answer as well. And but Ron, you
1: I, and I'll I, eat lunch, and <laughs> it just depends on who's right, who's going to pay. <laughs>
2: But I, I do think that every team in the NBA is capable of going on a 10, 10 to nothing run. You're saying they've done it 10 consecutive games.
0: No, I'm saying that
2: no, – They've had 10 all season long. One thing.
0: I think that every team in the league is capable of going 14-4 to 4 and 16-6 to 6 runs. Mm-hmm. I think there's something really different about a 10-0 run than like a 14-4. to 4. I know the points are the same, but my point is that it means you've got five buckets and five stops in a row. It's a lot.
1: I buy that. I I probably was thinking more of it in the line of a you know, a ten point run. But ten oh run, they don't score. That's that's different. Yeah, that's different.
0: Yeah. Like ten o run is you just kick the crap out of somebody for like
1: speaking of I I, I did want to say the best line of the night I thought was when Boyan, you know, hits a, a mid range shot and you're like, you know, they're taking these shots, it's not a great percentage and and Right then, Ron said, well, it is tonight, David. And the very next play, Bo Young just makes the hardest mid-range shot of Vader. the night. Yeah. Just, like in just Ron Boone fashion. I was just like, dang. said, so
2: David, I made a living off of mid-range shots, you know.
0: In a different, Tell me it's not a in good a different era, Mr. Boone. You know what we shot on our uh, mid-range shots tonight? What did we shoot? 41%. You know what the league average is?
2: Less than that. So bad. we were better than the league average.
0: 40%. Yeah. You know what that is? That's .8 points per shot. You know what you need to do to make a three like that? Twenty-seven percent, boys and girls. Twenty-seven percent.
1: Class not. is dismissed, Professor Locke.
3: <laughs> the timely timeliness- of That was a of lot
0: it. of. I had to watch sixty-one mid-range shots in this game tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I could tell it was driving you crazy too.
0: They were nine of thirty-two on non-restricted area twos. They shot twenty. 8% on non-restricted area twos. That is .56 <laughs> points per possession. If you're wondering, all you have to do is shoot 18% from three to do that.
1: At, at one point, I, I thought maybe <laughs> they just clear everybody off and have Capella and Rudy go one-on-one. Oh,
0: my. Well, the two of them were a combined eight of 26.
1: Yeah, that, that was, those, those two going at it were hard on the eyes. Ooh. But they figured it out. Jazz figured out a way. That's the craziest thing about this.
0: That I think I'm with you. Like, I think that's the story of the night is that through a night where, like, the Jazz didn't get to do anything they wanted to do, when the game was, like, the final moment of the game being in balance, they had a 120 offensive rating.
2: That means they're good.
1: Yeah, if you can win, if you can find different ways. I mean, you know, scouting report is take people out of what they want to do, make them do something else and the Jazz continue to do something else and find ways to beat teams. And if they don't take them out of it, they're just going to pummel them the way they do it. Yeah.
0: You, can, you know, uh, this will be an interesting trip to watch because well, you can't let the Jazz play the way they want to. We'll They'll see, kill you.
2: We'll see what's going on here. Last year at this time, after this ball game, the Jazz was 12-10. and 10. Right now the Jazz are sitting on a 17-5 and five record. They are, are so we, far ahead of last year's pace. It's unbelievable. Awesome.
3: All right. See? Thank Thanks you guys. guys. Have a good show. Yeah, yeah thank be you. well. All right, one twelve to ninety one is your final. The Jazz beat the Hawks. We're breaking it down next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Tim will come with you. Jazz come out on top of the Hawks. One twelve to ninety one. Talked about it with Lock and Boone. Tim Jazz managed to salvage a pretty decent offensive performance when it wasn't looking good there for a little while.
1: Yeah, I'm over here wiping sweat off my brow. Those cross talks, man. You got to be on your toes. Locke can ask you anything at any time.
3: He's coming at you.
1: Yeah, I feel like Tark over here in the fourth, <laughs> second half, late. That's what he does. Um, no, you're exactly right. It it um, is the beauty of of why they play four quarters. It's why. Um, You know, you play an entire season, there's ups and downs in every game. Um, What we're seeing with this Jazz team, though, is they really do find their groove. Um, And you got to credit, again, Atlanta disguised a lot of looks, made things really hard on them, were very physical with all their cuts and movement. And the Jazz did exactly what we thought they would. They went in at halftime, drew up stuff. It just speaks to how good the staff must be um, because they come out and always really give a great effort um, you know, from the start of the game, but it's those adjustments in, in the third quarter that make a huge difference. Jordan
3: Clarkson led the uh, led the team in scoring tonight with 23 points, uh, coming in off the bench in 25 minutes. About that, 23 points in 25 minutes. On 9 of 13, shooting 5 of 8
1: from 3. Can we just take a second and look at how good Jordan Clarkson was tonight? Wow. But it's so crazy because he gives you that lift, right? I mean, even on nights he's not in, he really does hit big shots a lot. Uh, I would say that, um, you know, we talked about Luka and Dallas coming in here and Luka getting 30 points and kind of finding ways to get points. Jordan comes right in in the crux of the game um, when the thing's on the line and he makes big shots. And uh, tonight was was more of what we're used to seeing. I know he didn't shoot the ball great the other night, but uh, 9 of 13, 5 for 8, and just had all that swag going tonight. Bogdanovich with 21 points on 9 of 14 shooting as he continues
3: uh, to be good. Rudy had a double-double tonight with 11 points and uh, 12 rebounds as far as the Hawks go. uh, John Collins was their leading scorer with 17 points right on his average. Kevin Herter, 16. Cam Reddish with 12. And uh, your guy Tony Snell coming in off the bench with 12 as well. But, frankly, um, the Hawks shooting 32.7% from the field. I mean, they they just could not shoot the basketball.
1: Uh, It looked like a team that's been watching a guy dribble around and shoot a lot, you know, and then play off of him. They had a hard time getting anything kind of going offensively. Um, and when you lose a guy like Trey Young and then you lose a guy like Hunter, um, those two guys are playmakers, you know, as as much as they are scorers. And so it really hurt the other guys. All right. With that, we will say good
3: night to our network stations um, as the Jazz beat the Hawks tonight 112 to 91. Our next broadcast is coming your way tomorrow night. Uh, they'll, uh, the Jazz will be in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have postgame sound. We'll continue to break this one down straight ahead right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe with you. The Jazz win tonight, one twelve to ninety one. Post game brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru. Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer we will get you some post-game sound coming up here momentarily. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but uh, Coach Lacombe, that was uh, it was a good win for this Jazz team. As they, uh, we talked about how difficult the stretch was going to be coming up here in the month of February. Uh, need to get these ones that you're supposed to win,
1: and they did it, going away. And it, it doesn't hurt, obviously, to the Jazz that Trey Young and Hunter were out. Um, Chris Dunn was out, and and Bogdanovich on their end was out. Uh, that's actually, you know, a good hop for the Jazz. I'm sure they'll have, you know, they haven't had nights this year where they didn't have everybody. Obviously, missing Donovan and Faves a couple times, Bojan, Joe. Um, so it's a good time to catch them, and a good a great way to start the road trip. All right, uh, let's get to your sharp stats of the game. Brought to
3: you by the Les Olson Company, your Les, Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Uh, tonight, Tim, let's see here as my computer catches up. The Jazz shot 48.4% from the field, 44 for 91, uh, 48% from three, 13 of 27. The, the streak of 15 threes made uh, ends at 11 as they uh, made 13 tonight. Uh, led uh, in scoring by Jordan Clarkson, 23 points on nine of 13 shooting, seven rebounds uh, as well for Clarkson. Uh, Bogdanovich had 21 on 9 of 14 shooting, 1 of 2 from 3. Donovan tonight, 18 points, 7 of 18 shooting, 5 assists, and uh, 3 rebounds. Uh, a, a rare slow night for Mike Conley uh, as he had 11 tonight to go along with uh, 4 assists. He was 5 of 10 shooting. Rudy, double-double, uh, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, Rudy was 5 of 12 uh, from the field. But, yeah, it's it's uh, not been often this year. We've talked about a, a slow game from Mike Conley.
1: No, and and Mike actually had a really good third quarter, um, you know, so where his game, uh, you know, he didn't have a great first half, but really nobody on the Jazz did per se. It was kind of a a rough, you know, first half rhythm-wise. But Mike came out, put his stamp on the game in the third quarter, and he's still a plus 14. Another, he adds to the plus minus tonight at a plus 14.
3: Yeah, he's, well, you know. I think the only minus game he's had in the last 15 games was uh, last game. I think he was even plus in the Denver game, if memory serves. I'd have to go back and look. Right. He was either in the plus or uh, or was a zero, but I don't think he had a negative night. But Bojan said, night. I'll
1: see your 14, Mike, and raise you 32. He was a plus 32 on the night tonight, Bojan was. So. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. Is that good? Okay. And and I agree with you. He's coming around, man. He's He's finding it. He's feeling much better. Uh and
3: talked about this and, and you and I mentioned it as well. He's much better around the rim, which I think is an indication that his wrist is probably feeling better because he's not so worried about it going in and taking contact.
1: And that's where you actually the trajectory and release on your shot, you know, you, you get really good close to the rim at having more uh, action like that, wrist action. And he's he, that that stuff is starting to look good. You're right. His drives which really surprised us last year, actually starting to become part of the arsenal again. All right, let's get uh, going on
3: some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz Head Coach Quinn Snyder. We're
4: going to start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
5: Hey, Q, it seemed like the Hawks were um, throwing a lot of pressure at you beyond the three-point line in the first half, and and there was a little bit of uh, offensive stagnancy. What turned around for you in the second half beyond – Simply, you know, Mike Conley getting to play more than eight minutes.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I didn't think we ran as well as we need to in the first half. Um, and those are possessions that, you know, that we can build on um, that just get the ball moving, get everybody kind of touches and and get more catch and shoot threes. We didn't finish at the rim real well in the first half either, I thought. Um you know, the second half was more of, you know, how we want to play. People are going to try to take things away. I didn't necessarily think the pressure bothered us as much as we just weren't um, real precise. And, you know, that can happen. You know, I, I like the fact that, that we figured it out a little more in the second half. Um, but there are times when people, you know, they're not going to leave people in the perimeter and and we're going to have the rim and that's what we want. We had more, you know, mid range non paint twos tonight than, We've had in a while. And, you know, if that shot's the one we have to take, um, you know, I've got confidence in guys shooting it. But I also think the second half, we started getting to the rim. Um, and I said again, you know, we started finishing at the rim, too.
4: And Anderson, castlesports.com
1: Quinn, this season where there's such limited practice and, you know, shoot around even, how much is just having your own identity? going into every game, it seems like you guys know what to expect from yourself. How much does that help as opposed to saying, Hey, we need to game plan for Atlanta or Charlotte, et cetera.
6: Well, you know, I I think it helps. Um, there's no question about that. When, you know, if you can make it about what you do, um, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I think we, we have and we are is a team that's, you know, able to process a game plan and absorb it. So, um, I think both are important, you know, the, 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 former more important than the latter, as far as the team having an identity, but, you know, fortunately, I think for us, our guys have worked hard to, to make preparation part of that identity. Andy
7: Larson, Salt Lake Tribune.
6: Quinn, uh, they only shot 41% at the rim
5: tonight. Uh, you know, how much do you think that was free to go bears impact versus how, you know, how did you like your team's interior defense?
6: You know, I I thought we defended um, pretty consistently throughout the game. Um, You know, particularly when Rudy is contesting those shots at the rim. You know, that's when we need our our guards to rebound. I I think that was another thing that that we improved on um, through the course of the game. But, you know, Rudy and Favor are, you know, they do that. They're rim protectors. And, um, you know, I, I think our guys have done a good job of, you know, defending in front of them as well. Um, To not just rely on that because sometimes, you know, the the shots that are taken, even when they are, you know, contested, um, you know, can vary in difficulty as well. All right. That's it. Thanks, coach.
3: There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Talking about the defense, the Jazz really did play uh, play very well tonight defensively. Uh, That's an amazing stat. Andy Larson threw out there. 41 percent at the rim. Uh, For the Hawks tonight. Uh, uh, You know, a team with Clint Capella and John Collins, I mean, they should be really good at the rim. And Capella tonight, three of 14, six points for Clint. So uh, that's, uh, they played well on that end of the ball.
1: No, they did. And and Gobert really bothers Clint. I think Clint bothers him too. Uh, Boot bothers Rudy as well. But you saw um, the effect Rudy had on the game. Um, You know, multiple times Capella got that ball, kind of short armed it quick. Quick hooked it, and uh, Rudy was just uh, like he always is. But but a ton of credit to the rest of the team too. I mean, it's a it's a team effort defensively. They they played a little bit of zone that's been really good to them lately. So I, I like they're giving different looks and uh, that the energy seems to always be there on the defensive end.
3: Well, it certainly uh, it, it certainly was tonight as the Jazz get a win one twelve to ninety one. And again, these stats are, are amazing. The Hawks only shot thirty two point seven percent from the field overall and twenty nine percent um, from three, uh, the Hawks, interestingly enough, shot more threes than the jazz did tonight. The Jazz got up 27, the Hawks shot 31 and we'd have to go uh, back and look at uh, three point attempts, Tim, but, uh, th- that might be a low for the season. I certainly can't remember a game this year where they shot less than 33.
1: No, they, they were definitely, that was something that were, they were not getting. So rather than fight it, they, they took the shots they could, they, they were getting. And obviously, the threes came down but they still shot a great percentage of 48% from 3. So a really good job of adjusting your shot chart, still taking good shots and making the big ones when they're when they count. Uh all right, uh, want to remind you to go where love takes you in the all new completely redesigned 2021
3: Subaru Outback available now. Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll have more player sound for you coming up next right here on the Jet Utah Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show right here on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Jig Scott coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz beat the Hawks 112 291. Uh, let's, uh, let's go with the points in the paint here. Brought to you by CERTA Pro Painters. Call 1 800, go serta or visit CERTAPRO.com. That's CERTA uh, with a C. We do painting, you do life. Tonight, uh, points in the paint. Jazz smashed the Hawks 54 to 36. That probably has a little something to do with the. Uh, 41% at the rim that uh, Andy Larson was talking about with Quinn Snyder. Take that.
6: <laughs> right.
1: They're going to take away the threes. Yep. So that's what you do. And you go in there and you punish them. And now the next team's got to make a decision.
3: All right. I've got a, a, a quick tease, but a, a quick question for the jazz fans. All right. Out there. I'm, I'm, I'm chatting online with our friend Tyson Ewing, who's uh, sending over uh, some stat nuggets that uh, that he often or that he does after every game. Uh, he does stats for AT and T Sportsnet, and he has one really wild one about uh, Dante Exum and Jordan Clarkson. I won't. We'll we'll throw the tease there. It's a it's a really interesting stat. But then uh, we started discussing whether or not that was the best trade in
1: jazz history. I think it's up there. I I, I always go to Malone Hornacek. See, I threw that, that out there. That was pivotal.
3: Yep, Jeff Malone for Jeff Hornacek. And Jeff Malone didn't do a whole lot uh, when he went to to Philadelphia. The other one I was saying our draft day, trades does that qualify? Because Trey Lyles for Donovan Mitchell is turning out pretty well. Pretty good, too. Or how about my guy, Virginia Tech Hokie, Eric Green for Rudy Gobert. That's not bad either. Who?
1: Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yes, exactly. I remember Eric Green. Yeah, I know, because you beat we him in this building. Yeah.
3: Interesting. I get to see my Hokie basketball team a total of twice here in Utah. Wouldn't play hindsight BYU, be and something
1: else? You, if you beat them both. If you could just live in the future and make decisions in the past wouldn't that be nice oh man you'd be a savant if that anybody voice. out
3: there uh has uh has any other thoughts at uh, Jake Scott zone share them with us uh, on Twitter the best trade in jazz history how about blue Edwards and Eric Murdoch in exchange for Jay Humphreys and hold on oh you know this one you'll be you'll be mad if I have to tell you I can't remember Larry Kriscovy hey
1: how about that? Sorry, Coach.
3: Coach J- K. Hey, they got,
1: a, they got a big win tonight. In fact, the state's doing great right now. Yeah, I believe Utah State's up at Fresno. Uh, last time I saw and Weber Weaver State's up at Montana. is against Montana State, who's leading the big sky, and they're beating them. How about so, that? Uh, night, Utah, Utah State,
3: of course, uh, Scotty G on the call over on, uh, over on 1280 AM. All right, let's get to some player sound. Let's start things off uh, with uh, Rudy. Rudy Gobert. We'll get started with Tony Jones, The Athletic.
2: Uh, Rudy, when teams, um, you know, see you for a second and third time now that you guys have seen a lot of teams for the first time and they try to take stuff away from you, what are some of the counters that you that you can do like tonight, you know, when, you know, the Hawks really tried to take away what you guys do at the three-point
8: line? I well, mean, we got all the weapons. We, we need to attack any type of coverage, any type of defense, you know, and – uh we're usually able to figure it out pretty quick once we see, you know, the way they want to play us. And uh, it's really on us. You know, when the when the big is back, I know that, uh, you know, the guy's going to get Mike, Donovan, Joe. They're going to get walk-up threes uh, because once I get a screen, the guy, there's nobody behind to help. And, uh, you know, at the same time, we can attack the rim and it's the two-on-one. So it's pretty, uh, you know, whatever they try to do, um, we always find a way to just adapt and uh, keep getting what we want, which is, you know, uh, the rim and the threes.
4: Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV.
6: Hey Rudy, it's easy to be complacent with how well you guys are doing and especially when you can play teams that are maybe struggling or missing key pieces. What is allowing you to not be complacent night in and night out?
8: I mean, we we play for a bigger purpose. You know, we know that uh, it's a long season. We know that, you uh, know, we want to win every single game. But at the same time, you know, the goal is ready to keep getting better. And and uh, and when it's playoff time, to be uh, to be the best Utah Jazz team that we can be. So we, you know, our goal is ready to, you know, we we compete with ourselves. You know, we know that uh, we need our focus to be uh, at the highest level every single minute on the court. And uh, that's the mindset that we're trying to have. You know, we, want, we really want to have a champion mindset and. You know, it really starts with the uh, you know the little habits of never being complacent, and uh, you know, uh, keep getting better every single time on the court.
7: Andy Larson, Salt Lake
5: Tribune. Rudy, that that matchup with Capella and and really kind of the whole Hawks, you guys locked down the paint. I'm curious, you know, when how did you see what did you see from the guards defensively tonight in helping that, and kind of where did you your role kind of
4: play in on that?
8: I mean, Clint. Uh, it's, uh it's a great year you know and it's a great rebounder so we we know that uh we needed the guards to to come help on those long rebounds and especially when the beast contest the shots or help the guards. you know we really needed the guards to to come and help each other on the on rebound and uh you know i think we did uh, I think we did they did a great job tonight and really once again that's the that's the mindset that we need to have you know know that uh I got to know that when I go block a shot, uh, my guy is not going to get an offensive rebound and, and a put back. And, you know, they did a great job, you know, uh, doing that tonight.
6: Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy, I
1: just want to know what you, what your thoughts are with the All-Star game potentially being played in Atlanta in a month. And do you think that's a good idea, a bad idea? And would you like to be involved?
8: I mean, I think it's, uh, it's good that we had, you know, there was a conversation. You know, I think uh you know, obviously it can be a good thing uh for the fans, for the game of basketball, uh for the finances. Uh, you know, I think it's it's great for the game. At the same time we all know, you know, there's uh I mean we're we, we playing more games in less times and the only break that, you know, players and coaches are gonna have. So it's uh I mean it's good to have that conversation, you know, and I think uh you know I'll be uh, I would love to be part of it if I'm selected, but it's uh it's good that we had a conversation for sure.
7: Nicole tab deportes.
6: Hi Rudy, congrats for the win. Thank you. You're welcome. How much impact had Jordan Clarkson in the success of the team and the way he is he's embraced his role?
8: Chineu impact. Fantastico. <laughs>
6: <Ba-da.
4: laughs> Thank you. Last question, follow up from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV.
6: Hey, Rudy, uh, when Mike went out with foul trouble in the first half, right when he came back in at the start of the third, you could sense shift. It almost feels like that calmness and poise uh he brings is so contagious. Can you speak to that? Do you guys feel that when Mike's on the floor, that, that calmness, that poise?
8: I mean that's that's his experience, you know, when He's been in the league for 25 years. So, it, you know, he knows how to, um, you know, control the pace and uh, and he can feel the game more than all of us. You know, so it's, uh, I try to do my best to talk to him, to help him, to make sure he doesn't, you know, uh, commit, you know, more fouls, but, uh, you know, we really want to keep playing the game. And uh, I think he did a great job in the second half, you know, controlling that.
4: All right, that's it. Thanks, Rudy.
3: And there you go. Rudy Gobert tonight with a double-double, 11 points, 12 rebounds, also had a couple of assists and, uh, and two blocks as well as uh, Rudy was 5 for 12, so he didn't, you know, shoot the ball particularly well, but certainly had his impact on defense.
1: Yeah, he had. A, he always has an impact on defense, um, you know, is is relentless on the glass, makes everything difficult for the other team, and, you know, a linguist. Maybe that's what you know, I know Boban got into a movie. Maybe Rudy could be, like, the evil linguist. That the, people. <laughs> the
3: linguist. I'm the linguist. <laughs> Real, really quick, uh, I, we got a few suggestions, and then uh, we'll get to Mike Conley um, on possibly the best trade in jazz history. Um, let's see. Our friend uh, Chalk Line Dollar Sign on Twitter says, For a non-draft day trade, XM for Jordan Clarkson is easily the greatest trade in franchise history. What was the name again? Dot line, chalk line. Chalk line dollar sign. Cool. All right, now help me interpret this one, because I'm not sure exactly what our friend John is getting at with this one. He says, best jazz trade, Dominic for the franchise. I'm assuming he's meaning the Dominic Wilkins trade. Yes. Where they traded Neek for.
1: Was it Jeff Wilkins?
3: <laughs> I don't think so. Where they traded Neek for cash, right, to, to keep the oh, doors for the open. Franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Rue the Day Gobert has uh, one that I didn't anticipate us getting. But how about this? Keon Clark for Tom Gugliotta was a good trade for the early 90s. Or, excuse me, early 2000s. Gugliotta. See, now why this was a good trade is because they eventually flipped Tom Gugliotta to the Knicks and got a first-round draft pick in return, and that first-round draft pick ended up being Gordon Hayward. So essentially, you traded Keon Clark for Gordon Hayward. So and that was several years down the line, but.
1: But you know what? Uh, with all talking about all these, I still, if if I had to put it to a vote, I would say for me Hornacek, and Malone, because that was a pivotal change in franchise history, and took them to the next level. And it I did. think that this may be something similar.
3: Well, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly. Uh, helped them a ton last year with what they desperately needed, and that was production coming off the bench. And now this year, it's his his game, and give give Jordan a lot of credit for adjusting. We've talked a lot about that, right, where he's taking those mid-range shots out of his game and he's just taking threes and getting to the rim. But, I mean, the way he plays basketball is is exactly what this team needs. I mean, it fits in perfectly.
1: Okay, so I just did some research. All right. I'm quick. Utah Jazz took Georgia small forward Dominique Wilkins with a third overall pick But due to a combination of financial constraints and Wilkins' (laughs) Wilkins desire to play elsewhere, go figure, (laughs) the team decided to trade their potential young star away. Several months after the draft, the Hawks swooped in to solve both of Utah's problems, sending Drew and Freeman Williams to the Jazz in exchange for Wilkins. There you go. Turned out to be one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. However, the Jazz are still... Uh,
3: alive and so well and here in, uh, in Salt Lake City. We're still City. talking about them. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So I see what our boy John's getting at. Yeah, that was clever. Might have been the certainly the most important trade in, in jazz history. So there you go. Keep them coming. If you can think of any others, let us know. At Jake Scott Zone. What are you? Are you just at Tim Lacombe? Is that right? I follow at you. At T. On Twitter. Lacombe. At yeah. T. Lacombe. There you go. Uh, let us know. Alright, let's get some more post-game sound. Uh, let's go with Mike Conley well then salt lake
5: tribune mike obviously you had the the difficult first half with the three fouls in the first quarter um and then you pretty quickly turned it around in the third quarter what enabled you to get going just as quickly as you did in the second half
7: um man you know the first half was rough uh just never really got a good flow never really you know got the ball never really like just put any impact in the game and um I got to sit there and kind of watch and, and, and get ready for the third quarter. And I uh, knew that I was going to come out and be aggressive and uh, you know take command a little bit more and um, just look for opportunities to make plays. And you know I got out there and was able to do it.
6: Kristen, Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey Mike, from our end, it looks like Jordan Clark- Clarkson's motor is always on, always running around all over the floor. Do you feel that way on your end?
7: Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. You know, he's the guy that he pushes us all. You know, when he gets the ball. We just start running and uh, we don't know what he's going to do with it. He don't know who he's going to throw it to. When is he going to shoot it? You know, you just kind of just let him play his game. And um, he's he's been great for us so far this year. And and we don't want him to be anybody else.
6: Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Mike, obviously a win is a win. Um, but do you think that this year maybe more than last season I guess in your experience with the Jazz that you're kind of looking at things with a little bit more of a critical eye like you're looking at maybe things that went wrong in the game and you're you're not as happy with it just because you came out with a W
7: yeah you know uh, you know we're a team that's, that's you know we love to get our wins however we get them but we're not a you know a team that doesn't hold each other accountable we're a team that definitely looks at every single detail every, every small situation and and you know, look at something for us to, to fix or a, a lesson to be learned and um tonight we had plenty of those plenty of those lessons plenty of those times where we um made mental errors made mistakes and um did you know kind of lacked effort in certain situations so uh we'll definitely learn from it we we just you know we're playing at a high enough level to be able to win the game, but um, we can't rely on that. And we know that. So we have to continue to to work.
4: And Anderson, kslsports.com.
3: Mike, going back to Eric's first question, finding that rhythm so quickly when you've had a bad start or, you know, had foul trouble. Do you remember at what point that developed in your career? Is that something you've always been able to do? Just kind of, you know, find
5: rhythm when there wasn't any before?
7: Yeah. Um, it took me a while to be able to to do that. You know, when I was younger, it was, you know, if I start out like that, I might not shoot the ball the rest of the game just cause I'm, you know, just so caught up in thinking about foul trouble and thinking about not having the ball and not playing minutes, you know, just all that kind of going in your head. But um, I've learned through the years, you know, having opportunities to be in that situation, uh, you know, just breathe it out, you know, take a minute, you know, take all those bad thoughts, throw them out and, and start uh, start thinking about the good and the opportunities you have in front of you. So and that's kind of what I just focused on was the third quarter and um, going out there and being aggressive.
4: Last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
5: Mike, along those lines, uh, we asked Rudy about your third quarter and he attributed your performance to the fact that uh, after 25 years in the NBA, you know what you're doing now. So I was just wondering if you'd like to offer a rebuttal.
7: He's off by about 11, but, um, you know, I would say that my my time in the league definitely helped, you know, me not panicking or anything like that. I've been there, done that. But, you know, Rudy's been a big help to me, so I'm not going to bash him too much, man. He's been huge, a uh, huge help in uh, progressing my, my play and the team's play. So he's still the man and, uh, you know, he can say what he wants.
3: That's it. Thanks, Mike. There you go. Mike Conley tonight. Uh, he scored 11 points, had four assists uh, but five, on 5 of 10, shooting one of three from three. And I thought Ben Anderson uh, asked an interesting question there. Uh, Tim, you you talked about uh, how Mike really made a big-time impact in the third quarter, which of course he did. And Ben asked him, you know, you're in foul trouble. Maybe you're the first half doesn't go how you want. How do you you know have the confidence to go out there and play aggressively and play your game? And I thought it was a really honest answer. We said, you know, earlier in my career, I might... Not have had the confidence to go out there. I might not have shot for the rest of the game. I thought that was really interesting.
1: And, and you also probably there were times where he was stubborn and he was going to go try to figure out how to fit into the game instead of the game, you know, just happen and he make plays. And he ended up again with a great third quarter. Ended up five for ten from the field and and did a great job of just letting everything kind of come to him. Um, what Locke said is really true. I, I think last year they needed everybody to. Play a certain way and get a certain number for them to to be good. And this year, they really do have the the uh, luxury to share that you know share those nights.
3: Absolutely. And what game was it was the Nick loss in New York where that third quarter that came out and nobody had it and nobody could shoot uh, shoot the ball. That felt like such a weird thing because I think what you said is is quite intentional. You know, they the way they built this team is they've got enough guys that can shoot that. If somebody uh, needs a quarter to get it going,
1: there's somebody else who's got it going. And think of all the luxury to have this many ball handlers and guys that can initiate offense too. Um, You know, when things got tough for the Jazz, they went right back to that. In fact, where Conley had a ton of success was in the third quarter with that basically below the free throw line pick and roll. Uh, Found different ways to get there, but they got to that, put shooters away, and just let those guys play a two-man game. And Mike made some really nice runners in the third quarter, made a nice lob to Rudy. So great job by the staff, too, you know, putting Mike in a situation where he can really thrive.
3: Let's get to tonight's Master of the Glass, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert, back for another great year of basketball and uh, proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. And Royce O'Neill's run of master of the glass has come to an end, Tim. It ends at 1. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, uh, 12 rebounds tonight, 4 offensive. However, uh, Royce did rebound the ball well again tonight. He had 10 rebounds, 2 offensive. And it's it's pretty amazing how formidable uh, a rebounding duo those two are, considering uh, Royce O'Neal's only six four.
1: And I'll throw a couple more at you. Bojan had 5'. Clarkson from the guard spot had six. Ingalls had four, and Mitchell had three. So a great job by those guys just figuring out ways to kind of gang rebound too. Uh, a lot of those balls got batted around. We saw Rudy get his hand on one and bat around, and the guys did a good job of chasing those down.
3: Uh, Jazz won the rebounding battle overall 52 to 49. However, if you look at the defensive rebounding, Jazz out rebounded Atlanta forty to thirty-one. The difference for Atlanta was they had eighteen offensive rebounds tonight. Clint Capella had eight on his own. That's amazing.
1: And, and some of those, like to be fair to the Jazz, some of those threes that were coming off the nine of 31 threes that weren't close. They were more, you know, they probably had a better chance of being rebounded by the Hawks mascot at times because they were so crazy. The, the balls coming off, the, they just did not have a good shooting night.
3: Real quick on the trade front, uh, if you're just joining us, we were debating what the j- the best jazz trade ever was. We were talking uh, Jordan Clarkson, Dante Exum, but uh, Cam says not the best trade, but a good one: Gordon Gieracek for Kyle Korver.
1: Yeah, I like that, that one too. That
3: worked out really well. You know what I remember about uh, Gordon Gieracek is, uh, uh, you know, he would um, if he were hurt and uh, you had to wear a suit to the game if you weren't playing or whatever. He had one suit. And it was this awesome pinstriped, like it almost looked like you know, like an Al Capone type suit. But I, he he was injured there for a couple of stretches where he would you know be be on the bench for a few games, and he wore the same suit every single time. He was
1: a slinger, if I remember. He was a slinger. And he let that
3: thing go. He was not as uh, good a slinger as Kyle Corver, However, no. I don't think uh, Gira, as he was called, was Jerry's favorite player. <laughs> Jerry ever.
1: I imagine he got into him pretty good. Yeah, probably. Defense, maybe.
3: Not so much. Toughness. Not so much. All right. uh, Your final tonight, Jazz Beat the Hawks, 112-91. Go Where Love Takes You in the all-new, completely redesigned 2021 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll have more player sound for you, and we'll get to uh, Tyson's uh, stats of the night that he sends over. We'll get to that straight ahead here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night, post game show. Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz winners tonight 112 91 over the Atlanta Hawks. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Let's get to your three point feature sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. Tonight from three, the Jazz uh, shot uh, the fewest number of threes we've seen, certainly in a while 13 of 27, 48.1% uh, tonight. Jordan Clarkson was red hot from three, five for eight, uh, eight from downtown. He had 23 points total in the game, leading the Jazz in scoring. Donovan Mitchell was three of five. Um, Mike Conley, one of three. Bogdanovich, one for two. Uh, George Niang, one for four. And how about Jarrell Brantley coming in and knocking two down, two for two, uh, coming in off the bench in garbage time. But uh, Atlanta just wasn't going to give the Jazz that open catch-and-shoot three that they like so much.
1: Yeah, and it ended up being a, another big night for – you know, mid-range rolls, drives, and and floaters, that sort of game. Um, but ultimately, the Jazz did break them and still shot a great percentage. Just didn't have the quantity of threes that we're used to seeing.
3: Yeah, the the Hawks actually shot more than uh, threes than the Jazz did. They were nine of thirty-one. They shot twenty-nine percent. Uh, not a not a team, sp- particularly without uh, um, uh, Trey Young. That's a uh, real dangerous from three. Kevin Herter certainly a talented shooter. He was 205. In fact, I thought he'd get. Uh, uh, more than uh, more attempts than that. And how about your guy, Tony Snell, coming in four for four from three? That's what he does, right? Three and D guy to the max.
1: Oh, man. I was having flashbacks over here, too. Like, dang it, Snell's open again. <laughs> oh, wait, it doesn't matter now. Um, but yeah, that's what he does. And he actually almost kind of, you know, he followed right after the Bruce Bowen era and came into the league as a guy who was a dead-eye corner shooter and, and really capable defensively. I think
3: there will, you know, who knows where the NBA evolves from here. It's a, It seems like a different game than it was certainly, you know, even 15 years ago. But it seems to me there will always be a role for that guy who can be a defensive guy, has to be taller, has to be a wing, you know, can't be a point guard, but a, a 3 and D guy who can knock down those corner threes and guard the other team's best player. Always going to be rewarded. Always going to be a role for that.
1: No question. And, and on, honestly, you know, it used to be where you'd have one of those. But you can see where how the Jazz are playing right now. Um, if you can get a guy who's capable like that, can do a little bit with the ball, um, you know, it's it's the model the Jazz have, have used. is really good shooting and f- an emphasis on defense. All right, let's get some more postgame sound. Uh, let's go uh, back to Atlanta.
3: Jordan Clarkson is addressing the media. All
4: right, we'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune
5: hey JC I was just uh wondering if you could tell us from your perspective kind of what the difference was in the second half from the first half tonight
4: um they were they were throwing some uh, different things at us uh we're gonna start seeing teams do a, a lot of that um in the first half uh we was just kind of reading it out feeling it out I feel like uh and then second half uh First half, we kept defending. In the second half, I feel like we, we started attacking defensively uh, where we started getting out uh, in transition and, you know, getting our shots. Um, but a lot of teams are going to try to take things away from us, uh, a lot of catch-and-shoot opportunities, uh, stuff, and like, stuff like that. But uh, we're prepared, and um, we just keep trying to uh, get better at that. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey JC, I wonder if you could just go
3: into a little more detail on that. How do you adjust when teams kind of throw something different at you guys?
4: Um biggest <clears throat> thing is um that we've kind of preached and what's coach been preaching on is, is getting the stops. Um that's just gonna, you know, feel the offense It's gonna keep us getting uh forced and, and thrust on our offensive, uh on our offensive end. Um but yeah, teams are trying to get into us, um, switching out, pressuring us, uh, trying to be aggressive, trying to take away the threes just because, you know, we're getting a lot of attempts and getting a lot of uh, easy shots at that. Um, so we just got to keep doing it on that other end, uh, keep getting stops, making that offensive end uh, easier. And then when we run an offensive stuff, we just got to execute, make our cuts hard uh screen, screen um, and get each other open when that, when that happens.
6: Nicole Tab Deportes. Hi, Jordan. Uh, Congress for the Win. Do you have a great night tonight? So what oh, motivates you? Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you have a great night tonight? So what motivates you to embrace the position of seatsman, and if you have any player who inspire you to do it?
4: Um. I mean, I've, I've kind of been in this role for, you know, the last couple of years of my career. Um, just coming here, uh, having this opportunity to play with a a, a really good team, a uh, really good coach and a great system, um, it's kind of, you know, helped me, you know, boost, uh, you know, my confidence and, and everything uh, that's going on. Um, but players I watched in this role was, uh, you know, it kind of made it cool for me with like modern Ginobili. Um, another one I've watched a lot of and played with as well was, uh, Lou Will, um, Jamal Crawford, all those guys that, you know, kind of came off the bench and had the impacts. Um, you know, those are guys that I really watched, uh, you know, coming up in the league and as well as, uh, when I was younger.
3: All right. That's it. Thanks, Jordan. There you go, Jordan Clarkson. Interesting question there at the end, asking uh, kind of inspiration or, or who he looks to uh, his role on the team. I, I, I see some similarities to Manu Ginobili out there. I don't know about Lou Williams. We were just kind of talking about that a little bit off the air. But, um, you, you know, Clarkson, uh, he, he's got a little Ginobili, I think, to his game.
1: Yeah, he's got some wiggle for sure. And I really like his toughness. You know, you see it every night where he drives it. What's he going to do? He's going to drive it right to the front of the restricted circle, come to a jump stop, and come back to that left shoulder with his right hand, right? That's what we see. He loves it. And he does it every night, and, and it takes force to do that. You know, you even though you put it out there on film, the fact that you do it over and over and over again mean, means it's an elite skill. The part that I think, and David alluded this in the broadcast, that I love about this guy is I think if you were to overlay his shot chart from his career and look at it compared to this year, he really has shaved a lot of not bad shots because I think a scorer you want him to shoot, but he, he's just taking more effective opportunities to score and he's getting rid of the other ones. Um, he's done a great job with Quinn's you know pass it shoot it or move it theory, and he makes quick decisions and I just love the rhythm he's in right now.
3: Well, look at his his line tonight is just amazing. Twenty three points in twenty five minutes, nine of thirteen shooting, five of eight from three and had seven rebounds. I mean, that's that's just a remarkable game for him. And, you know, his defense has been good. I You know, I'm not prepared to call him a great defender at the moment, but, uh, you know, he's played
1: good defense too. He's been engaged, right? And I think that's the word you can use with a lot of these guys. Um, whether there will be ever be great defenders and really specialize on that end, but I do feel like there is an engagement and a buy-in on the defensive side that isn't just one guy. I think... You know all these guys who have, you know, had it as a goal. They're certainly working on it, and and it's admirable, and it's and it's really helping the Jazz in you know out on the court and and during the season. All
3: right, Uh, should we get to some of our guy Tyson's uh, stats that he sent over tonight? Uh, uh, Our friend Tyson Ewing does stats for AT and T Sportsnet for the TV broadcast and he usually sends us a few nuggets after uh, after the games. You can follow him on Twitter at TyEwing2, at T-Y-E-W-I-N-G-2 on Twitter. He's a great Twitter follow. All right, uh, starting out tonight with defense. Uh, this is Clint Capella's worst shooting game of his career when attempting more than six shots. He was 3 of 14 for 19% tonight.
1: Wow. Where, does he, where does he dig this stuff up? Does he have like a... <laughs> Just, i got to figure out his search mechanism. He's
3: just a savant. How about that? 19%. Not a great game from uh, Clint. Uh, this was the fewest three-point attempts by the Jazz since, this is something we were wondering about, February 24th of last year.
1: Wow. So they, did, they were effective in, in just cutting down the number of shots.
3: Yep. They, had, uh, they took 26. That game was against Phoenix. Um, Royce O'Neal's 14 uh, double-digit rebound game and the first time in his career going back-to-back, having two consecutive games with double-digit
1: rebounds. I like that. That, that. that bodes well. That's something that you can never get enough of.
3: Why why has he become such a good rebounder? Is it instinctual? Is it, uh, is it he's gotten better at of positioning? Is it somebody's practice? practiced? Why do you think he's improved so much there? I,
1: I would bet a lot of it is experience and having gone through it now, understanding you know i think it's one thing to understand angles but to understand for instance on a weak side somebody shoots the ball away from you and you're on the offensive side um, you can simply just seal them in you don't have to do anything but seal them in and it opens up a part of the floor for you to get a rebound little things like that that guys pick up and learn
3: it's also kind of royce's personality right where they probably pulled him aside at the beginning of the year last year and said hey listen royce we're going to need you to be a rebounder now and he said oh
1: okay Whatever I got to do. Make 50% of my threes, guard the toughest guy on rebound. Okay, I got it. All right, I got it, coach. Team on three. Let's go. (laughs) All right,
3: uh, continuing on. Utah is uh, the Jazz are 25 and three when Jordan Clarkson goes for four or more rebounds. You
1: pointed out the rebounds from him earlier on in the show. See? And I, I used to love when guards get rebounds because most of the time those are hustle rebounds. The. The bigs are all locked up, right? They're battling down there, hitting each other. It's like a gladiator war, and guards can come in and just steal the flag and come out of there. We see it all the time, but the key is the little guy's got to go down in there and want to get in the fray.
3: All right, here here, these next two are what sparked the the best trade in jazz history uh, um, conversation between Tyson and myself. Um, I'll, I'll read this one first. This one blew my mind. Jordan Clarkson has played in 30% of the amount of games that Dante Exum did for the Utah Jazz. Okay. So that's just a comment on how da- how in and out of the lineup Dante was because Jordan just, has he been here a full NBA season quite yet? Not quite. We'd have to look at the game totals. But uh, all right, so here are these. Jordan Clarkson has played 64 regular season games in a Jazz uniform. He has scored 20-plus points 19 times, including six times this season alone. Dante Exum played 215 regular season games in a jazz uniform and scored 20-plus points. You want to guess? I've got the number one up. Three times. Three. Three times, which actually seemed a little higher than I would have thought.
1: Wow. I mean, proof's in the pudding, right? That I don't know. It may be the best you know, trade they've ever made. It certainly paid immediate dividends. Because we sat here and watched it. Yep. And they were literally, the Jazz would sub and the, the bench would just get blown out. And they made a move. They had to, they stop the bleeding. And it was, I mean, sometimes you make a move just to make a move, but it was not only a, a great move in timing, but the right guy. Absolutely the right guy. And then you get a good locker room fit to boot. Yeah, that's
3: just a bonus. Yeah, that's absolutely just a bonus. The fact that he comes in and fits in right away. Uh, and then, okay, he has one final one for us. He called it the lock special. Locke's been hitting on this a little bit. The Jazz have led for 15 or more, or uh, led for 15 or more in over 30% of total minutes played this season. Led by 15, 15. or more. Excuse me. Uh, in over 30% of total minutes played this season.
1: And that doesn't surprise me because it feels like that. I mean, we sit here night after night. Um, you know, we we sit and watch these games and have dialogue about them and talk through them. And that is the thing that is overwhelming to us is, oh my gosh, they're up. 20 again or they're up 18 again or um it is really remarkable the way they're beating teams
3: yeah just beating the pants off Mm -hmm. them i mean it's it is it's pretty amazing that's 30 percent of the time they've been up fifteen or more wow wow amazing all right shout out to uh tyson ewing thanks as always uh great job at ty ewing 2 on twitter if uh, you want to give him a follow uh, go where love takes you in the all-new, completely redesigned 2021 Subaru Outback. Available now. Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Uh, your final from Atlanta, the Jazz win, 112-91. Coming up next, we've got you play of the game, and we'll get Tim LaCombe's final thoughts before we look forward to tomorrow night's matchup against Gordon Hayward and the Hornets. It's all coming up straight ahead on the Jazz Radio Network.
0: Conley, working good one, who's overmatched. Goes behind to go pick. Now drives the right hand, puts the border right. off the window, and in Mike Conley with a masterful third quarter.
3: That was your play of the game. Our guy David Locke on the call. It's brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com, driven by you. Jazz win tonight. In Atlanta over the Hawks, 112-91, to Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe with you. A post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Uh, good win for the Utah Jazz, Tim. Atlanta uh, was shorthanded. It'd be interesting to see this game again uh, with Trey Young, although he was basically not there for the first game, only scoring uh, four points. Because I, I think you and I both agree Atlanta's kind of a fun young team to watch play a fun style of basketball, and Trey Young is is certainly a – special player. But uh, uh, I think, uh, how did you put it earlier in the show? They look tonight like a team that's done a lot of watching somebody else dribble and shoot.
1: Oh, they did. And and it's just the fact of the matter. And, you know, a ton of credit to the Jazz, too, because you have, you know, the minute that game ends the other night uh, and the Jazz beat the Pistons, their attention goes to the Hawks and they get a game plan in place and they talk about it. And, um, you know, they learn today that he's not going to play. So everything that they probably worked on was a little bit different um, and, and could speak possibly to some of the rhythm issues as well. Uh, both teams played really hard, just couldn't find a, a whole lot of rhythm and flow. But uh, we mentioned it in crosstalk. we said it all year. But when you see this incremental growth by the team, uh, and part of that is you know, winning games in a different way, unpredictably, not having just a certain game. Has, a game has to go a certain way for you to win. They've, they've now, you know, this was a slugfest that they ultimately just kind of broke the Hawks will in the end up next
3: tomorrow night's game um, against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Gordon Hayward has obviously played against his former team a a few times there in Boston, less than you'd think with, with the injuries that, uh, that he dealt with. But I, I always find it intriguing the way he left town to see him play against this Utah jazz team. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how it plays out tomorrow.
1: And there'll be some extra energy on both sides with that kind of thing. I, I remember I was one of the, the crazy guys. I, I, I left my roots at the University of Utah to go down to BYU. And, you know, having, play, having to play those guys all the time, you know, you would just get a, a certain extra something in you when you'd go play that old team of yours. And it kind of works both ways because he had great friendships on this team and um, obviously had connections with Rudy and, and the guys. And so, yeah, it's I would imagine everything will be ramped up just a little bit for that game because of that relationship.
3: You know the the day he left, I'll I'll never forget it. It was one of the more odd days I've had in sports radio, which by the way is a career that's filled with bizarre days. Um, it was the Fourth of July, obviously everybody knows, but uh, I was I was at a Fourth of July barbecue and uh, got the Scotty G put up the bat signal because was it it was Chris Haynes who was working for ESPN at the time, but I believe he works for Yahoo now. Anyway, Chris Haynes reported Gordon Hayward going to Boston. And so Gotti, Scotty G puts out the bat signal. Everybody comes in. We're doing this big, you know, 4th of July special. Gordon Hayward leaves. Dun, dun, dun. And then, uh, of course, it all tries to get stuffed back into the bag.
1: I, I didn't mean it. No, I, it was,
3: you know, like, oh, no, that's uh, that's not necessarily the case. Blah, blah, blah. And so we end the show, Tim. And I go, okay. This is, I think we did it for, for probably an hour, maybe a little bit more. And, uh, and he was like, all right, well, well, I guess we'll go back to real life for a second. I went back to the 4th of July barbecue. And I was probably back for about I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes, maybe. Bat signal goes up again. Everybody come back in. Gordon Hayward's leaving again.
1: So <laughs> for was, real this time. Yeah, it was that first one was a drill. The and first this one was, was not a
3: drill. A drill. Yeah, yeah and then we went back in and did uh you know Fourth of July Gordon Hayward leaving
1: special part two. You know what's cool about that? That was a pain that day for you, but that's the beauty of being like zany days in in work are. Usually days you talk about years later, uh, and you've had plenty of those. Oh, they're they're the best.
3: They're the best days in, in this job when big time news breaks and everybody's running around and you can't wait to get everybody's opinion on it. I mean, in that case, the Gordon Hayward case. I mean, that wasn't the most Great positive news, of right. news out there. But uh, but
1: everything works out right, and in the end, I think that's what you learn from this thing. Is you know he didn't. At the end of the day, he didn't want to be here. Um, you know, the Jazz. You know, f- figured out a way to to somehow salvage it and. Um, you know, it didn't work out for him either like he thought it would, but everybody's still breathing and still playing and just we're in a different color.
3: I always wondered and uh, I always wondered if Donovan Mitchell's ascent would have been on the trajectory. It was if Hayward were still on the team, because remember, they drafted Donovan before Hayward left and because uh, Donovan came into a, a, a team where they needed somebody to shoot. I mean, with, you know, Hayward leaving impacted the team in a number of different ways. I mean, he's a fine defensive player and a great all-around player. But remember, the conversation was, boy, could Rodney Hood go out there and score a 25 a game? I mean, they didn't have, you know, any offensive production left on the roster. And all of a sudden, this rookie comes in who says, oh, sure, I'll go go. out there and, and get some shots up and and play as dynamically as i possibly can and you know to the team's credit they didn't pull out the rookie card and say hey rook we don't do that they said sure by all means let's embrace it and man it was it was off to the races for donovan mitchell and i still say that the end of that season where they made their run to get in the playoffs was one of the most amazing things i've ever seen
1: in no oh, it really was it, you know and and really laid the foundation for what they're able what they were able to do um you know in years past and and now, what you know, they've been through the wars and the playoffs. I understand it, um, and they've they've taken their their share of disappointment. Um, but hopefully, they can use all that to their advantage. You know, like this whole this this Hayward situation was not ideal; wasn't a positive thing. But in the end, it all worked out.
3: Real quick, I don't I don't want to jinx it. I haven't looked at it. How how uh, how's our Pacific team doing?
1: Uh oh, not the Zags doing. went on a large run. I actually tweeted yeah. about it because everybody's getting their hopes up, and I said. Look, this isn't like a sometimes thing. Like they they do this every year where they they show up to Stockton or Santa Clara and you can see like three of the guys are still asleep. And about 10 minutes left in the game, you know, everybody else in the league's watching right on their, you know, you get done with your game and you're looking at the score and you're like, the sacks are down. And before the end of the deal, all you do is get disappointed. They win 100% of their game. This This is going to be 18 games in a row. That's amazing. Utah State pulled out the W, though. They beat
3: Fresno 69 And the Cougs won in Portland. Yep, and Utah upsets Arizona. And Weber State beat Montana State, so we had a a sweep. And, of course, the Jazz win tonight over Atlanta, 120. They win always, though. These Jazz 91. are something else.
1: And another, this is the other point I want to make before we, another scholarship. That's 20, yes. 20 kids whose lives are going to be changed so much by the generosity of... And the and the goodwill of, of this organization is pretty cool.
3: It's awesome. I, I mean, that's such a cool thing that they're doing this year. That that you're right. I mean, it, that is makes a huge impact on a young person. Twenty's a lot, man. Twenty's a lot. You it throw is. a lasso
1: around twenty kids and say, hey, "Come, you're coming with us. We're gonna change your life."
3: There's a the for the office fans out there. It's a, it's not the Scots Tots either. It's <laughs> they're they're gonna get more than ink cartridges. I gotta come up with something, Ryan. <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, right. How we do? We need some sort of rhyme. Well. Uh, the Jazz come away with win tonight over the Hawks, one twelve to ninety one. We want to say thanks to Lock and Boone, great job uh, as always by those guys. Uh, Thanks to Alex Lundberg, uh, the executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Thanks, Lundy. Lundy uh, filling in for Austin today too, so he's had he's had a long shift, quite a day doing a big show into these uh, these games is fun, isn't it? Oh yeah, you know. And you got an early start too. Just just keep them, you know. You got an early start too. The big show into those eight o'clock starts. Now that's that's some good times. Yeah, that's. Fingers crossed that that doesn't happen too often.
1: The other thing that Lundy does, many of you may not know, he he does a lot of the reads on these commercials, and it's just stellar work. He's he's, beyond stellar.
3: Actually, I mean, my favorite ad running on the station right now is voiced by our guy Lundy.
1: Yeah, and we're gonna let you figure out what it is. Tweet it at us when you know. When you figure it
3: out, let us know. Please don't. <laughs>
1: All right. We also want to say thanks to uh, the
3: title sponsor of the post game Mark Miller Subaru. Go where love takes you in the all new completely redesigned 2021 Subaru Outback available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. And as always Tim, my friend, thank you, sir.
1: Thanks, buddy. I work for I work with the best guy in the business both from a, a patient standpoint dealing with me, but also he just does a great job. Thanks, Jake. We have fun watching these games, don't we? That's it's really hard work. Uh, up next, the uh, the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night. That game will
3: tip off at 6 o'clock. Pregame will begin at 5, and, of course, you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.